little shocking, I think, for me today, a moment where all of a sudden I was in my home and unbeknownst to me, there was a little plan being hatched in another part of the apartment. Um, I was in my room and my wife and the kids were, I don't know if they would admit that they were doing this on purpose, I don't, I'm not really sure, but all of a sudden the fire alarm went off on all of the different smoke detectors, loud, very loud, they work, it's great. Didn't know it was happening and so I, I was a little bit shocked and they came running out and they said, oh, but it's just a test. Just a test. I was like, phew, I have no idea. I didn't see any smoke. Just a test. It is just a test. I grew up with those kind of, like on TV, all of a sudden they interrupt the program with the, the test of your emergency. Now we have them on our phone. It's just a test. An alarm meant to wake us up and let us know that something could happen. But this moment is just to see if it were the real thing, if it works. A test. That phrase, to be tested. To be tested and to be found strong. To be tested, to be bested, to be able to show strength in a minute or in a moment where strength is being called forth and there is a clear pass-fail, a test. We've heard, of course, the truism, or maybe it's trite, depending on when and where it's spoken, that life is a test. And certainly in our tradition, the notion of a test and the Hebrew word for test, which is used in the rabbinic tradition, gives us a bit of insight into what a test might mean when we say that life is a test. The word in Hebrew for test is nisayon, lenasot. We have tests in school in Hebrew, a mivchan. But the word in Hebrew for being tested is nisayon. Can you all say that? Nisayon. One more time. It's a strange word. It has to do a little bit with maybe nes, not miracle, but a flag. Hebrew for flag, something that waves in the distance to say, here is something, here is someone. I've been elevated by this experience. The word in Hebrew for experience is also nisayon. A person with experience, a person who has been tested is a person full of nisyonot or nisayon. They have experience. And with that in mind, just a moment to hear the rabbis when they talk about Abraham the patriarch and who he was. In Pirkei Avot, in the ethics of the fathers or the patriarchs or the ancestors, chapter 5, verse Mishnah 3 says, Asara nisyonot, with ten nisyonot, ten tests. Nitnasa Ramavinu alava shalom. There were ten tests given. Ten challenges, ten experiences that Abraham was meant to go through. Ve'amad bekulam. And he stood through all of them. He withstood. He understood. He stayed standing. He was able to be up to the test. Le'odiach kamachibaso shalavravinu alavashalom to teach us how beloved Abraham was.
when we think about Abraham's life, when one thinks about Abraham's life, if you're not up on your Abraham biography, let me give it to you really quickly. Chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, Abraham is introduced to us. We only know him from the end of chapter 11 where he's introduced as someone who's taking off with his dad and a couple of other family members. He's on its way. He's on the road to somewhere. We don't know where. Stops in a place called Haran. And then the beginning of chapter 12 of the book of Genesis of Breshit, Avram, here's a call. Lech lecha me'artzecha, leave your land, your birthplace. By everyone's explanation of what the ten challenges or tests were, that's the first one. Leave your homeland, leave your birthplace, leave the familiar. Trust me and go out. And along the way, there are all kinds of other things. The stories with his wife and being in Egypt, the stories of the famine that he finds when he first enters the land. But when we get to the tenth and final test, most people place it in last week's Parsha. In the end of last week's Torah portion, a full ten chapters from the beginning when Abraham was said to say, Lech Lecha, chapter 22 brings us to the binding of Isaac. And by most accounts, that's the tenth and ultimate test. Can't imagine a greater one. Bring your child, your only child, the one whom you love. Bring that one and sacrifice that one on a mountain that I will show you. Even the word Lech Lecha appears in that story. Lech Lecha el Eretz HaMoriah. Most commentators through the 2,000 years of Jewish history say that was it. He passed that test. Way to go, Abraham. There was one thinker named Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah, who lived in Spain, a great 12th century mind, wrote in his commentary on the 10 tests. Ha'asiri kivurat sarah. The tenth test is not the binding of Isaac. That was number nine. The ultimate test for Abraham was the burial of his wife, Sarah. Shne'emar lo, as it was written to him, it was said to him, it was promised to him, Kum his'alech ba'aretz orka u'lirachba. God had said to Abraham in chapter 12, Get up and walk across the land. This whole thing is yours. And when his wife, Sarah, died, that entire land that belonged to him, that entire land that had been promised to him, the entire land that was a gift to him, the entire land that he thought, it belongs to me, I can't wait till I take it as a possession. That entire land, there was not one place where he could find to bury his wife, Sarah. And that, Rabbeinu Yana, he says that's the tenth and ultimate test. Nisayon of Avram. For those of you who don't know that story, it's tomorrow morning, chapter 23 of the book of Genesis. One minute synopsis, maybe 30 seconds. Indeed, Rabbi Yonah is right. Rabbeinu Yonah says there was no place to bury Sarah. And in fact, Abraham has to enter into a negotiation with somebody, Ephron Achiti, in order to buy a cave, the cave now known as Marata Machpelah in Hebron. And so just to grok this teaching from Rabbeinu Yonah, 
The tenth test of Avram's life, the tenth experience he had to have is the experience of feeling that you are entitled to something and yet now you have to pay for it. The tenth test of Avram is a sense that something that was yours by right, that something that belonged to you is now something that is up for grabs. That something that was a freely given gift, a promise made, has now undergone a radical shift and a radical reformulation and now instead of receiving a gift you now have to barter for it. Life is an isayon. Life is a challenge. Life is an experience. Life is a crucible. Life presents us with circumstances that we never would have imagined would have been our lot and then asks us to come to terms with a newfound reality. And Abraham's test, says Rabbeinu Yonah, his greatest test, his ultimate test, is not whether he could give up something that he loved, promise, and an assertion, a sense of obligation to God or obedience. No, says Rabbeinu Yonah, the greatest test for Avram was when his wife died. And everything in him wanted to scream, my wife is lying before me. This is not the way it should be. My wife is lying unburied and there's no place for me to bury her. What about the promise that you made? And Abraham had to change course. Abraham had to understand in that moment that what was being asked of him was to do whatever needed to be done in order to address the reality on the ground that he faced. To not make excuses, to not say, you know what? It was supposed to be this way. Why should I have to pay 400 shekel for a plot of land that belongs to me? By right, I have the deed. By right, I have God's recorded voice message on my iPhone saying, this is me, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God. It is time for you to give good old Abe his land. But instead, Abraham has to buy it. And where we get stuck sometimes when we think about life as a test is that we imagine that someone is doing the testing. Really? This is a test? This is only a test? What a cruel joke if it's a test, God. What a cruel, cruel, cynical, brutal way to educate us with these kinds of experiences. But what if, as we studied in the Neil Hasidic Beit Midrash this past Tuesday night, what if the parable of the chipping away at the mountain is what Nisayon really means? This parable of chipping away at the mountain is a parable given by the Magid Dovber of Mezrich the principal student of the Baal Shem Tov, and here is the parable. A king commanded his servants to raise up a very large mountain, removing it from its place. He gave them an impossible task. So his servants decided among themselves to dig and break up Lishbor, to break up the mountain into teeny pieces, so that each person would be able to carry a small portion appropriate to their particular strength. 
And in this way, they carried out the king's command. The problem, of course, in the story like the Nisayon problem is there's a king who wants an impossible task. But if for a moment we just imagine ourselves in life and say that life itself is what lifts us up or brings us low. Life itself is a promise that often we feel it itself doesn't keep. Life itself seems to promise us something and then bring us a challenge that we say to ourselves, if it's random, I'll go crazy. If it's intended, I'll go crazy. What am I to do? If this was really meant to test me, there were a thousand other ways. I'm tired of hearing the crazy justification for test that goes something like, you only get what you're strong enough to hold. To which a great British philosopher once said, would that I were then much weaker than I am. But if for a moment we would take away and remove the sense, as the Mishnah says, not that God tested, but there were ten nisyonot. There were ten experiences, ten levels of going through something that in some way, shape, or form, Abraham was intended to meet what is being met in the moment when we hear pay for what you already rightfully own where must I pay for what I already think I deserve where must I shell out money shell out time shell out hope shell out patience, shell out privilege? Where do I get caught in my day-to-day living with the privilege and entitlement mentality that says, are you kidding me? I deserve much better than this. Why do I have to work for this? It's a dangerous division. No doubt, at some point, Many of you in this room will go home tonight, I hope, and think about this and wonder, wait a second, you know, we can go too far here because there really are things that we should say we deserve. Absolutely. And there really are things that we shouldn't pay for. Absolutely. But that's not Abraham's test. And that's not the question I'm asking you. Where in your life are you being asked to pay for something you think you should get for free? and you're not willing to pay it. And because of that, something important, something big can't happen because of your resistance, because of my resistance. That's Rabbeinu Yonah. That's Avram. My wife needs a place. Sure, she'll be the first one to have a piece of land, not me. I'm buying it for her. But I need to rise to this occasion. I need to meet this moment, not with complaint and resistance, but with acquiescence and a way forward that might solve the situation, might give me what it is in the end that I most want. So tonight, tomorrow, whenever it is this week that you think of something, say to yourself, wow, I'm not willing to pay that price. Ask yourself, what other greater price will you pay for not paying it? 
Where in your life are you paying a greater price for your unwillingness to acknowledge that you know in a perfect universe, if it could be exactly the way you want it, this moment would be exactly what you thought it was supposed to be. But that's not the world we live in. And so we meet life's surprises with a willingness to learn even if we think that no one did this to us, no way. But what might I learn here? What might I pay for here? There are other ways that Avram could have gone and it would have been a different sermon. And there are other ways you can go. Check it out. See if it's true for your own experience. Nisayon. This is a test. This isn't just a test. This is a Nisayon. Nisayon. 